morning, everybody. How are we doing today? Man, it's so good to be in the house of God this week. Today, after a crazy week for many of us, uh, look, happy, uh, happy uh, Labor Day uh, weekend for many of you who are on vacation. Happy Labor Day. Um, for us, for many of us, this week has been a week that's been um, hard, devastating. Danielle and I live in Malka Hill, and uh, half of our town is destroyed. Many of you are from Philadelphia. We had friends that had to be evacuated by a boat because the water was so high. We had one uh, one lady that we were ministering to this week, uh, giving food away, and she told us she was evacuated from Philly um, because of the floods that were coming, and she uh, got evacuated to her sister's house in Malka Hill, and that house got destroyed by a tornado. There are people who aren't here today because of the, or they're on vacation or because it is the last week of summer here in Jersey, but there's many who can't be here today because they can't get out of their neighborhood or they don't have utilities yet. Their houses are destroyed. And the one thing that I, I was reminded of this week, even in the midst of all of it, is that my God is king. He's faithful to his word. He's faithful to his promise. He's faithful to his people. And, you know, I really want to encourage you today that as we begin to worship him, and this song is called Promises, and my God is faithful to his word. He's faithful to his promise. And, you know, his will determines the time that that promise comes into our life. But his love determines his faithfulness to the promise. He is a God that loves us. The Lord of God says his, his, his promises are yes and amen in Jesus Christ. So whether we're standing on this side of the promise and saying, hallelujah, thank you, God, for the promise that's been fulfilled, or we're standing on the other side saying, God, we know you're, you love us and you're faithful and your promise is coming. Come on. My God is a faithful God, not because we're good enough, but because he is. Not because we're holy enough, but because he's holy enough. So today, whether you had a great week or whether you were like many of us that, man, after Wednesday, life got chaotic, we've got a lot to praise our God for. We got a lot to praise our God for. I woke up in a house today and I know a lot of my neighbors didn't. We're standing at a place that has electricity this morning and I know many of your neighbors don't have that. You and I have a lot to praise God for this morning. So can I invite you just to stand with me and we're going to begin to worship and lift up your hands, lift up your hearts. Worship isn't about just the music or the song or the beat. Worship really is about a declaration of adoration for our God. That he's worthy, that he's worthy, that he's worthy. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come the whole earth daddy is filled with your glory come on church holy 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 our God is holy our God is holy our God is holy if you're down the shore if you're in your living room your hospital room today can I tell you the same God that's in this room is in your room right now you can lift up your hearts and your hands with us as we worship and we'll be worshiping together across the span of space we will be worshiping together because our God is able to manifest himself in every place because he's worthy he's holy the whole earth is covered with his glory and so father we lift you up 
We praise you. You're faithful to the end. You're faithful to your word. We give you the glory, the honor, the power, the praise in Jesus' name. Come on, church. And everybody said, amen. Can we give God one shout of glory? Just, just begin to praise him this morning. Lord, we love you. You are faithful to your word this morning. Hallelujah. Come on, let's worship.
bless you. Yes, I will. I'll still bless you with every breath, Lord. I'll still bless you every note. I'll still bless you in every hour. I'll still bless you every day. I'll still bless you in the trial. I'll still bless you in the storm. I'll still bless you in my joy and in my pain. I'll still bless you. sickness stronger than you, not one circumstance or storm mightier than your word. We've come to praise you today to give you the glory, to break the shackles of depression, of sadness, of disillusionment, of disappointment off, to say you are worthy of praise, you're worthy of glory, you're worthy of honor today, no matter what circumstance may say. My king, our king is king of kings and lord of lords. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Wow, church, what what an amazing proclamation your heart just made today. I will bless you. Jesus is the anchor to my ground. He is the anchor, the word says, behind the veil that holds me. I love the image of when the disciples were going through a storm in the middle of the Sea of Galilee and they, these professional fishermen, 
who faced these kind of storms before were scared to death and thought they were going to die until the master stepped to the front of the boat and he spoke to the wind and the waves and said, peace be still. And the Bible says, then they knew he was God. Then they knew. You can be around Jesus and still not know he's God. You can be around the word. You can be around people who know him and talk about him. But man, there's something that happens when you surrender to know that he is God himself. We're going we're gonna to do something today. Last week, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna pray together here. Last week, we, um, we wanted to continue to, to grow as, as disciples and maybe learn how to pray through a, a Bible verse. And so we prayed through part of a psalm last week. And I think it's so powerful for us to learn how to pray through the Word. Because the Word is alive and living. It's active. It's sharper than a double-edged sword. It sets us free from bondage. But today, we want to want to do just something maybe a little different, take another step in our maturity as disciples and maybe learn how to have a declarative prayer, a declaration. David says in Psalm 103, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. He is not suggesting that to his soul. He didn't say, hey, soul, if you feel like it. Hey, he wasn't doing a thermometer check on his emotions. The word is actually commanding it. He's saying, the word blesses a command. Bless it. Hey, soul, wake up and bless God. He says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Get up and bless him. Bless him. And don't forget his benefits. Bless him. Bless him. Bless him. And don't forget who he is. Bless him. Sometimes we've got to declare to our soul who we are. Through Jesus, sometimes we got to declare to the principalities and powers around us who we are. We got to declare to the lies we believed who we are in Jesus. So today we're just going to take. I'm throwing things at Patrick over here. How nimble are your hands? You can play the ukulele. You can't pick paper up. There we go. That's. Go ahead and say, Pastor, I didn't drop it. I didn't try. I wasn't the one dropped it. We're just going to declare a few things just as, as an, a, a prayer together. They're going to be on the screen, but as we read them, don't just read them, pray them. There's going to be, it's not, I'm not declaring it. The Lord has declared over me. How many of you know sometimes you're going to remind your soul what God has declared over you? Because I know my circumstance declares things. My negativity declares things. My neighbors declare things. My haters declare things. Social media declares things. CNN and Fox declares things. But I, sometimes I forget my God has declared some things over me. So this, they're going to be up there. The first one is simply this. We're going to declare this together. We'll read it together. Lord, you have declared my sins are thrown into the sea of forgetfulness and have no power over my life. Thank you, Jesus, for the price you paid to bring that forgiveness into my life. Lord, you have declared that the condemnation and shame have no claim on my life. Thank you, Father. In Christ, you showered me with your grace. Come on, somebody. Lord, you have declared 
that I have the right to walk in a holy, unhindered relationship with our God. Thank you, Father, for loving the world enough to send Jesus so we could walk with you. Come on, Lord, you have declared that I have been anointed to do whatever you have placed in front of me. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for empowering me with your gifts and with your presence. Come on, what a powerful thing. Here's our last declaration, but let's declare it loudly. Lord, you have declared that regardless of what I may face, I shall not be moved. Somebody needed to hear that today. Somebody needed to hear that. Somebody watching today needed to hear that. Come on, let's thank him for that. Thank you, Jesus, for being my rock. Thank you, Father, for being my strong tower. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for moving against every weapon the enemy throws against me. And everybody together said amen and amen and amen. Come on. Let's shout to God for the voice of triumph today. We are the head and not the tail. More than conquerors in Jesus. Daddy, I thank you that your declarations are true. Come on, can you lift up your hands with me? Just in a moment of surrender. Daddy, we agree that your declarations over us are true. Regardless of whether I feel it or not, they're true. Regardless of what my situation in the moment may say, it's true. We know, Lord God, that your promises are already yes and amen in Jesus. That your will will determine when those promises are manifest in our life. But your love determines the faithfulness to those promises. And nothing in all the world, nothing in all the world can separate me from that love. Father, we declare these things because you have declared them over us. To those forces seen and unseen, to those parts of our life surrendered and unsurrendered, we declare your word to be true. Yes and amen in Jesus Christ. And together we say, so be it. Amen and amen. Amen, amen. Hallelujah. What a great God we serve. Oh, so glad you're here this morning. I am really excited to be here. Danielle and I are excited. Hey, as you're uh, finding your seat, give somebody an air high five, air fist pump. If, you, if you're quarantined with them, you can give them a hug. If you're wishing you were quarantined with them, give them a wave. I forgot my notes. They're down here, so I'm going to step off the stage for a second. For some, for some of you who are guests today, thank you so much for coming and being a part of this today. Um, we just want to let you know the stage does rotate, so we will eventually see everybody and be a part of it with everybody. We put the stage in the center of this room, not by accident, but by intention, because we wanted to put worship and the Word in the center. How many of you know, many of us learn by pictures. Danielle and I learn very differently and I, I, I bother the heck out of her because when we drive, I read every sign. I don't do it on purpose. I learn visually. 
So that's why I can't sing. I can't do languages. If you come up and try to speak a different language to me, I'm like, I'm out. Because I can't hear. But when I see it, when I see it, it settles inside of me. I can reproduce almost anything I can see. That's why it's important you see this right. This is not a cool new expression. Oh, you got, yeah, would you mind? I love, this we is Pastor John, by the way. He's the thank best. You, thank, thank you, sir. I'm, I'm, I'm drinking so my dis- mask at the moment. We're so discombobulated today because it didn't take anyone else five hours to get here this morning. It, it, it's, Does anybody yes. have down trees and, and closed roads? It was and crazy. Et cetera, et cetera. We live in Mullica Hill, for those of you who don't know. If I know you said it, but we have a lot of people that came in yeah. since you said it. And so just thank you for being here. You didn't have to have a, a street that was closed for it to still have been a trial to get sacrifice. here this morning, a sacrifice and a challenge Truly. Um, every, every Sunday, uh, not to show up for church, but to show up for God. Amen. Uh, there's so always true. resistance to that. So thank you. Thank you, brother. Give Pastor John a hand. John. He's a good man. And before we hop into the word today, um, we just wanted to uh, say Thank you to the church as a whole, and thank you to our teams this week. Uh, Wednesday night hit, and um, for many of you, for some of you, it was a regular night. For many of us, it it was not. Um, You know, we built dams around this entire building, literal dams around this entire building, and had sub pumps going because of the floodwaters that were coming here. So we were here day at night, and then when we got home, uh, an E3 tornado had destroyed our town. And if you live in Philly, many of you are still in Philly because you can't get out. Um, floodwaters were everywhere. And so this week, starting early Thursday morning, Danielle and I and our team um, and people from TKC, there's going to be pictures up uh, on the screen, have been sending food and supplies from this church uh, into the most devastated areas. Um, all day Thursday, we, f- we gave to first responders to make sure that they were okay. All day Friday, both morning, all the way from 9.30 till about 7.30 at night, feeding people um, in these devastated areas. Uh, and then again yesterday morning. So you, you, you have been reaching out. You have been loving people. And look, we don't have pictures of the destroyed buildings up there because we believe in keeping people's dignity. Uh, And there were so many joy riders that were just kind of coming through neighborhoods taking pictures of people's pain. But I can tell you in the midst of it all, God showed up. I, I, I promise you in the midst of it all, God showed up in powerful ways. And for us, the reason we're telling you this is because your giving makes a difference. You serving with TKC makes a difference. It enables us. We've been working with the mayor and the emergency response teams in, uh, in, the, in the state to be able, or in the township, to be able to continue to respond over the next few weeks. Why? Because everybody's responding this weekend, right? But we're here for the long haul. Because those buildings, those houses aren't going to be restored in a day. And those kids that lost everything aren't going to have clothes, or back to school items and they got to go back to school and they don't have a place to come home to with electricity to actually study. So we're, we're working very closely together with them and your giving makes a difference. So thank you for giving. Thank you for being willing to show up. Thank you in advance 
for times we're going to let you know this week and the weeks ahead when you can show up and how you can show up. And thank you for all that. I, I'm going to say, I'm going to tell one quick story and then I'll let Dee finish up with it. But um, this story was told to us and it's just, it speaks to how God shows up in the middle of miraculous ways in the midst of a storm. A lady was sharing with us that she was in the kitchen working, and she said, to be honest, I wasn't really close with God for a long time, and, but I heard a voice inside of me say, you've got to go to your French doors right now. She said, immediately I knew it was God. I went to my French doors, and I saw the tornado come and destroy my neighbor's house coming right towards me. I ran in. Her mother had just had hip surgery and was on the couch. Her husband, she picked up her mom, ran down to the basement. They laid on top of her mother to protect her. When they came back up and the house was destroyed, the French doors, one of the French doors that she was standing in front of, cut the refrigerator in half where she had been standing when God spoke. The other French door flew through the, into the living room and cut the couch in half where her mom had been laying. She said, in this storm, this moment has renewed my belief and my trust in God. Sometimes, it's not the storms that he keeps us from that reveals the most about who he is. Sometimes it's learning to hear his voice in the midst of the storm that reveals the God that he really is. If you're in a storm right now, his voice is speaking. If you've walked away, if you find yourself far from God today, he will do anything in his power to draw you back because he is much more interested in your wholeness than in your momentary happiness. My God loves you with everything he's got. And this week and the weeks ahead, we want to continue to show people in our destroyed neighborhoods, God loves them and so do we, no matter what they have. It's hard to add anything. Just words completely fail. Um, when you go through an area that you thought you understood when you're watching the news and then you go and you're present. Um, the thing that kept standing out to me was it was eerily silent. Like, eerily silent. Um, and it was filled with people. But joy had been robbed from a very tight-knit tight tight neighborhoods. And... I think what kept registering to me is that the people, whether they're friends, whether they're family, whether they're a community, other churches, businesses, without even realizing it, God had tasked them to bring hope into that silent place. I think sometimes we, we have this expectation on ourselves if we've gone through something, if we're not the kind of person that lets ourselves like dwell in the, in the sadness, we expect ourselves to just turn around like in five seconds. Yes, I've lost everything I've ever had, but God is good. Yep. Sometimes you need other people to carry him yeah. into space, and they testify that God is good. Amen. And we don't, want the, we don't want anyone affected to think, like, how awesome is Connect? How awesome is TKC? We want them to realize that God, in the midst of all of this, has seen them, and he is sending himself in tangible form to them. So good. That's what church is. So if, uh, if you're newer to Connect, that's who we are. 
Uh, and that's what we care about. Um, but look, we care about it because the Word tells us to care, and God cares. And so we want to, if you brought your Bible, since you do have your Bible today, can you open with me to the book of Nehemiah? The book of Nehemiah. Nehemiah is the 16th book of the Old Testament. Probably if you uh, open up near the middle of the Bible, you'll find it there. And we're going to start in verse chapter 2, verse 19. But if you need a, a, a title for today's message, it's why? What have you heard? Is that not one of the most scary, one of the most scary things ever in life is when someone comes up to you and says, oh, I heard something about you. And immediately, how, oh, how many of us immediately think, oh, this is positive. No, you're like, you're like, immediately like, well, why, 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 why did, what did you hear? Well, what did you hear? And it's because our soul was so worried. It's so influenced by what other people think. By what other people think about us, about what other people think we should do, what is right and what is wrong. What our situation says about us, what our generation says is correct or incorrect, what our close-knit friends would support or not support. It's amazing how vocal we are when we know our close-knit friends will agree with us and how silent we are when we don't think they will. We're worried so often about disappointing family and what will happen if family doesn't like my decisions and... And so what we find ourselves having to navigate through is all of these voices determining who is actually going to influence our lives at the core of who we are. Not necessarily just in our belief systems, but actually more so in our actions. And so we're going to look at that today because Nehemiah is a great example of this. There are voices that try to undermine what God is calling him to. I just, Dean, I wanted to just let you know how this came together. And this is, the reason why we're saying this is because I want you to see how good God is and how much he loves you and how much he, he so much cares about you that this is how he moves. Um, on Sunday night, uh, Dean and I got back and usually after Sunday, we're kind of wrung out because there's emotion to everything that's going on and spiritual weight and those kind of things. And Sunday night, we usually just relax and kind of thank God for what he did. But Sunday night, Danielle was feeling it, an unction, that's an old school Pentecostal word, an unction in her spirit to ask God if he had anything important to download this week. And so she woke up in the, mor- in the morning and immediately God downloaded this message, this sermon, these things, like instantaneously downloaded. She's like, it was down- downloaded as fast as you could write, right? It was just as fast as I could write it, downloaded. And that was Monday morning. That usually doesn't happen at all. And, and I know many of us are going, that's awesome. That means you have the entire week. Like, that's great to think about this. No, that's not why. It's because God knew what was coming on Wednesday. And God knew the attention we'd have to give people and community on Thursday and Friday and Saturday. And how much time and energy and emotion that those responses of love would take and require of us. That he downloaded this no, uh, on Monday, knowing what Wednesday was going to come. My friends, God loves you enough to download to you ahead of time. Not because he doesn't think you'll get it, but because he knows there's things coming down the road that are going to require his download before they come. In this text, Nehemiah is getting ready to go back. He's uh, serving the king of Persia 
Artaxerxes as his cupbearer is in the inner circle for quite a long time. But something changes inside of him. God starts to stir a fire to rebuild the holy city, to rebuild Jerusalem, to rebuild and restore the name of God in the kingdom. Something happens inside of him that says, I can't be here anymore. I can't just fit in anymore. I've got to rise up and go. And we've been talking a lot through this pandemic about Nehemiah. God has had us in Nehemiah a lot because we've been talking about the need for repairers and restorers and rebuilders in the kingdom of God. Because friendships are ruined, families are ruined, lives are ruined. Sin ruins lives. It's not a sinner. doesn't make them bad people. All of us. Sin has ruined all of our lives. And it required somebody to come and repair and restore and rebuild. For us, it was Jesus. And he has given us that ministry to live it out to others. I'm going to read, and Danielle's going to start to unpack this, but in verse 19, the word of God says, but when Sambalay, or Sandballet, as Danielle says. It's probably neither. I just, <laughs> one day when I was younger, I just decided it was Sandballet. Sandballet, I like it, Sandballet. <laughs> when Sandballet, the Horonite, and Tobiah the Ammonite, servant of, and, uh, 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 Ammonite, um, servant and Geshem, the Arab, heard of it, They jeered, they scoffed at us and despised us and said, what is this thing you're doing? Are you rebelling against the king? Then I replied to them, Nehemiah replied, the God of heaven will make us prosper and his servants will arise and build. But you have no portion or right or claim in the holy city of God. You have no right or claim to what God has done. You have no territory You have no authority. You have no right. I said, my God will cause what we build to prosper. D, you know, this week in the midst of all the devastation, uh, devastating events, one of the things that we've noticed is that there were so many different voices trying to tell us, tell people what was right, what was wrong, who should do this, who should do that, who's responsible, who should have, should have, could have, would have. And there were so many voices kind of vying to determine who was going to be the king over the situation. That, that's not just kind of in devastating moments. That's in every life moments. Um, I think the way that the God kind of uh, laid this out for me scripturally was he just kind of highlighted certain things in the text that I wouldn't have necessarily maybe been drawn to myself. And the first thing that I felt like he was highlighting was the concept of, um, normally in my, in my person, I would pick up on the scoffing, <laughs> the concept of the scoffing as- aspect of that. But what he drew to my attention was the concept of the king. And um, I do want to let you know that what some of the things that I feel like I am to impart today, in the natural, I feel extremely resistant to do so. Um, I usually don't have... If I know that I know that God wants me to say something, I usually um, try to yield to that as quickly as possible. I find that today some of the things that I need to say, I feel my soul resisting. And so I just, I'm praying as I talk to you that I will be obedient because um, I think that that that's only happening 
because there's people in the room that need to hear certain things that I find in my brain I want to clean up right now. I want to make more vague so the examples aren't as as pronounced. Um, But I really feel like God is wanting me to to make sure we we talk about that. And when when he brought the attention to me about the king, the king says this, the king says that, even if it's not true, we are often swayed by what we think, whatever the king is in our lives. So if you're a believer, of course you're going to, say what I would say, which is, well, God is my Jesus. king. Jesus is my king. It's flat aboard Jesus, yeah. Right. Yeah. But in everyday life, we have real things that not just simply desire to have that voice of authority in our lives. They want to mandate yes. that that voice is the voice in your life. So there are moments when the, just culture wants to have the voice of authority in your life. Correct. There are moments that political sides want to have the authoritative voice in your life. There are times when relationships want to have the authoritative presence in your life. There are times when family wants to have the authoritative voice in your life. And we get to look at this book, uh, this this scripture, as um, we're, we're cued in on a few things. It's in the Bible. Right. It's named Nehemiah. And we're talking about Nehemiah in a great light today because, after all, he helped spearhead building the wall back. <laughs> Go, Nehemiah. <laughs> I'm Team Nehemiah. Hashtag Team, team Nehemiah, Nehemiah. Right, because he's the one that rides in and, and fixes everything yeah, in, if, if it was a movie. Yeah, right, right. But in real life, there are times when God is going to have you do certain things, make certain calls, make certain stands, not move on certain yep. things, as the authority in your life. And there are going to be other people that are going to want to scoff and tell you that's not right. Yes. And it's always funny that, like, we're very wishy-washy on right and wrong and, like, what is right and what is wrong until what we say is right for us to do by the name of God, someone else considers wrong wow. or inconvenient or not attuned with what they want you to do. Yep. And when I was concentrating on that, I, I, said to, I said to Kay that, you know, I would want to say that I always, I always just fall in line with listening to Jesus. <laughs> yeah, I'd like to say that. Don't you want to be yeah, that yeah. person? I want to be that person. But when you love people, yeah. their voices yep. are the people that you often want to appease. The people that belong to those voices are often the people because you're thinking— I need to figure out a way to live in harmony with them. Yep. They're in my life all day, every day. I've got to figure out a way to be at peace. And then we take half scriptures. and we, Well, the Bible does say be at peace with everyone as much as it is within our ability to do so. And that is correct. Yep. But say, for example, say God has told you that he wants you to, he's made it very clear to you, that you want, he wants you to have your child this year homeschooled. And you begin to share that with people that you love and trust, who, you, who sometimes you assume are going to support you. And then they begin to access the opening that they have with you and bring another belief. Yep. Put another voice in there. As silly as it sounds, now I'm just giving you this as an example, but your kids could end up being in public school, or if God's been like very clear to you, I need my kids to be in pu- I need that, your children to be in public school this year. And people are pressuring you, well, you know, homeschool could be the way to go. 
And all of a sudden, your child is in the wrong place yep. because that voice moved you. Because you have already thought ahead about what it's like to live in community with voices that are not going to agree with you. Because yep. one conversation, anybody can have one awkward conversation. But when the king has a presence in your life, the scoffing has a depth to it. Yep. And I felt like I had heard in my spirit that God said, Danielle, the, the wall that Nehemiah and the people were to build, the wall was the ends and the people were the means. Yep. And I immediately corrected his thinking and said, oh, you mean the people are the end, but the wall is the means. And then he corrected me, correcting him. <laughs> that never happens. He's like, I said what I said. <laughs> he said, no, because we always cater to people, and we know that God loves people. Yep. And we, we know that God wants us to be uh, effective with people. So we oftentimes make people the end. So good, Dan. But hear what he's saying. The wall, meaning what they were called to do for him where they were called to be yes. for him, those things were the end game. So the people were the means to bring his will to life. But so often we feel, we operate, and, and this is the journey, guys, of going from a believer to a disciple. We yep. know this in this room. We say yes, mm-hmm. We go home, and we get that pressure and we all of a sudden move the line of where we uh, are willing to be living and yep. uncomfortable. Oh, yeah, definitely. And then our allegiance becomes to the people and not to the one who wants us to build the wall, build something for him. And then we go like this, oh, Lord, please bless it. So right. What we're asking God to do in reality is to anoint something that is not of him. Even if it's a good thing. But remember how God defines good? We talked about this a couple weeks ago. G to be good must be anything that originates from God. That's what it actually means Correct. biblically. So even if some, you have a great idea, yep. but it's not God's good idea, and you go do the great thing and then you ask God to bless it, what you're asking him is to give a portion of himself yep. to something that he hasn't stirred to into being. G how many of you would say that God is anointed? God is anointed? Yeah, right? Okay. So God's not just anointed as if he has all of these bottles of um, holy pixie dust that he disperses when we pray, God bless it. God bless it. God, I'm not even going to acknowledge it. God bless it. God bless it. And then we're, we're looking for the, the, the vial of holy anointing yes. to be sprinkled over the situation. But he is the anointed one. Yes. So... We have to go where he is, and then we live under the absorption yep. of his holiness. Yep. So when we're like, oh, God, just please be there, he, if he's thrown you a no already, his, his, he, you might experience some mercy. Correct. You may experience moments of grace, but I need to live. I don't know about you, but some of the things that he has me do, I must live under his anointing. Yes. Or it will not work. Yep. It will harm people. It will harm me. So when we talk about allegiance to Jesus, 
there are ramifications of us being having our allegiance misplaced if not that's so true d i mean that it is really about that and that's it's why we keep talking guys about the difference between believing being a believer and being a disciple going to church and actually following the savior and there really are distinctions it's not the distinction isn't heaven the distinction is life like, because sometimes we are like, yeah, but everybody's going to heaven. I, that's your, yeah, when, if you know Jesus, you're going to heaven. But this isn't about going to heaven or not. This is actually about experiencing life or not. How does life look here? And I think that's what Dee is trying to, to bring us to and understand. One of the things I think that we need to understand from this text that will help us is that the enemy always encamps around the work of God in order to try to, convince the people of God to reshape the culture of the people of God. Like, when we start to work, do out the works of God, live out the life of God, when you're starting to actually be a disciple for God, we shouldn't be surprised that the enemy is trying to reshape our culture. Because the culture that we're living is a culture of the kingdom, and the kingdom takes ground. The, come on. The kingdom takes ground. It takes ground in your, in your family. It takes ground in your life. It takes ground in generations yet to come because there's things broken in us. Generational curses end in us. So the enemy is always, just like these three enemies, are always encamped around the work of God trying to reshape the culture of the people of God. So it, it's been that way from the beginning. In the garden, the Bible says the snake came into the garden. Come on. From the beginning, there was a work going on, and the enemy, when Adam and Eve started going for God, came in to try to reshape the culture. When the children of God were walking out of Egypt through the wilderness, the Bible says the Amalekites, who were camped around them, came to attack them. Come on. How about this one? In, in 1 Samuel 17, 1, when David gets anointed king, the Bible says once David is anointed king, the Philistines come and camp in Ephes Demene. Now that may not sound like it's a big deal, but Ephes Demene means the limit of the blood. The enemy came to the limit of the blood. When we limit where we apply the blood of Jesus, when we limit, I'm not talking about forgiveness and salvation, I'm talking about there are areas that we said, God, this is still mine. God, I know I've given you my life, but... I just want take this is a part when we wherever we have limited the expanse of his love, regeneration, sanctification, and holiness, the enemy will set up camp right there to challenge who is going to be the rightful king. Wasn't that what Goliath was doing? He was saying, David, you've been anointed king, disciple, you've been anointed, but I'm gonna challenge you because you've limited to the blood. And where the blood is limited. Kingship is always challenged in our life. And I think we've got to grab a hold of that today. That's why I think there's times, D, in our life when it's like we say, why is it every time I start to kind of go for God, I get attacked? Does anyone ever feel like that? Like every time you decide to go for God, you get like, you feel, yes, why? Because the enemy is encamped, waiting for the believer to decide to be a disciple and get to work. Because the moment, listen, these guys, Nehemiah was in the kingdom for a long time and this enemy never spoke to him or came against him. It was when he started to decide to rebuild the city of God, to retake territory, the enemy said, oh, heck no, 
that believer became a disciple, now I'm coming for him. And I think, again, in this text, we, we see the difference, and we've been talking about this, this difference between a believer and a disciple. For a long time, Nehemiah was happy being in the kingdom of Persia. He, 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 he always identified himself as a Jewish man, so he had a different identity, but he was trying to still fit into the culture. He, he was the cupbearer, so he was used to being around the kings of that world. And unfortunately, I think if we're honest with ourselves, the messaging of the American church over the last few decades to its people has been this, fit in. Fit in. Find all sorts of ways to fit in. And just be happy. Man, if you can get around the kings of this world, you're doing something. If you can get that picture, come on somebody, with Justin Bieber, oh, you're doing something. If you get that invitation to that party of that popular person, you're doing something. If you can actually get your boss on your side, even if you have to be a little shady, man, it's good. Because you're going to prosper. Oh, but something happened in Nehemiah. There was a transformation inside of him where he went from trying to fit into the world to being a transformer of the world. From him not being happy, just being around the kings of the world, but he began to become on fire for living out the will of the king of the world. That's what a disciple does. A disciple says, what is the king of the world? What is the will of the king of this world? And how can I begin to manifest that in my life? That's what true Christianity is really, really about. Becoming disciples that understand the will of the king of this world and who are willing to take the risks to live that out. D, you talked about anointing. We are anointed. But we are anointed by the king for the purpose to rebuild the city of the king. To rebuild what was ruined. The enemy has brought ruin into families. Sin has brought ruin into families. Generational curses has brought ruins into neighborhoods. Why is it that we look and say, that man, that, that, my, my grandfather was divorced, my, my dad was divorced, I know I'm going to, I can't tell you how many times I've heard that. Generational ruin. There's an enemy. But you and I as disciples of God have been anointed. Ephesians 1.13 says this, each and every one of us when we have believed in Jesus have been sealed with the precious Holy Spirit. We've been sealed. That means he takes his signet ring and he pushes it into us and you and I wear the mark of our God. But it has a purpose behind it. Just like Nehemiah carried with him the letters that held the mark of the king and everywhere he went, that mark demanded something. The mark of God in your life demands things so that the ruined city of God, come on, disciple. A disciple turns their face to the will of the Father and says, I cannot settle until what was once ruined has been made new. In my life, in my family, in my neighborhood, in my world, I will not settle. There's an anointing on your life. Um, when you read a little bit further into that, it talks about how uh, the enemies sent a message to Nehemiah. Body of the harlot. 
uh, plotting to harm him yep. and how Nehemiah knew that. And I'm going to combine a couple things here. Yep. And said, uh, there is no truth to this. He understood it was to discourage and to stop the work, so he kept at it. That, that's what that next portion talks about. And I guess I, I uh, maybe because of the day that we are in, or maybe because <laughs> that was what God was bringing to my attention, but he, he didn't let me get past the concept of the message that was sent to him. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's because we live in the middle of s- 24-7 messaging. Yes, right, exactly. I mean, it, we are inundated with text messages. People who call you instead of sending a text message. <laughs> text it. Um, Just text it. <laughs> no, we're, we're inundated with text messages and phone calls and emails and, you know, e- uh, letter like email blasts. Notifications. And social media and notifications. Yeah, those are easy to see as messaging, but... What God was showing me is, is that we, we, we consider those things so overt. Like if it's a source that drives us crazy, we're like, Phew. but if it's a message from a loved one, yes, it seems to not always um, have the ability to go through the process of whether God gets to say it's benign or not. Mm. So sometimes we have people in our world that we assume are safe, or should be safe, meaning they should be depositing the good stuff. Correct. So we don't live on our toes in those spheres. We will live on our toes when we think it's coming from a messaging uh, source that could harm us. Yes, correct. But if we are not aware of the fact that sometimes those closest to us can still harm us, we will see the income the, what's coming into us as benign and before we know it the message will be in front of us and now we have to figure out what we're going to do with it yes, and we don't often see in church we don't often identify people that love us that are awesome people that are lovely people they could be family they could be friends they could be bosses they could be co-workers that we don't have the, we're not talking about your haters Yes. Uh, I'm talking about people that are, you know, that you would invite over for the picnic. Yep. Okay, but you, you, if you are not living with everybody able to be on the altar, then this is where God is going to come at you. Because we can all be used by the enemy on our worst day. Yep. Do you understand that? I love God. My whole life is geared towards being a conduit whenever I can be. So that God can speak through me to you. Yep. And on any weekday, I could hear the completely wrong voice and hurt you. So good, Dean. And if we don't own that about ourselves, how many of you understand that you could do that? Yeah. What I just Absolutely. said, okay? Absolutely. On your weakest day and your hardest day, even if you apologize. Yeah. If you're, it, it, how many and, of us have done that? I mean, that yes, that's the reality. I mean, and, and for those of you that... Um, there's also people that you can think of people that would never raise their hand, right. but that you've experienced it on the other side. So it's not just the message that needs to be in front of God. It's the who gave the message that yes. needs to be in front of God. Because the next thing we see is that Nehemiah met that with, there is no truth to this. Yes, yes, yes. He identified yes. then why he did it, yep. why they were doing it, 
what the end game was was to discourage them, to cause them harm, and to remove them from their position, and he kept going about his business. Do you know how hard that is? Yes. When you feel like God has given you the truth, and people that you love come for you, everything in you wants to defend your position, right? You want to lay out why you're right. Why you're not seeing this clearly. Why you don't understand me. This is why I do this. This is why I don't do that. You want to get people to come onto your, onto your side. You're trying to convince people who are not looking to be convinced. So you waste and lose time instead of having it settled in yourself beforehand that sometimes when your allegiance is to Jesus, just by that life motion, life rhythm, it puts you against others who don't see that the same way. And I'm not even talking about, I'm talking about people who love God too. I'm not, it's just, yep. sometimes there's just a disconnect. Yeah, that's why you got to know the will of God. You have to understand the word of God, the will of God, the ways of God, because if not, right. it's easy to be swayed by the opinions of people of God even. Which is the wall. And that's what I was saying. Yep. You have to land on what the wall is. Yep. What has God called you to build? Yes. What has God called you to build? That, that, that question alone, Dee, if we would answer that question with all honesty, what has God called you to build? Because if you don't have that clear, then anybody that comes in with an opinion that's like, that's awesome. Have you thought about this? <laughs> and then all of a sudden you're like doing this, and then sometimes you end up bitter. And you're like three years down the road, and you built... But you knew that you were supposed to live here. And it's usually not because one of the people that is against you the most in your life influenced you to do it. It's usually because there was someone that had access to you yes. that you thought was a benign messaging benign. flow to you that you entertained for too long. We have a we have a friend. Our our, our lawyer is he a friend, a friend who's a lawyer, and he's so good at so many things, like phenomenal at so many things. And they'll always be like, hey, you know. You do such good gardens. You should be a gardener. He's like, I'm a lawyer. You should be, you know, you should be an editor. I'm a lawyer. You should be a, you know, you're, and, and, and so, but the reason he says it is because he knows who he's called to be. And I love that he said benign things because this is why we have to, as disciples, understand and truly seek the will of God and uh, the, the purpose of God for your life. Um, it's, and, and being more than just kind of a Sunday morning kind of experience and navigation, it being a daily kind of exercise, um, because it's essential. It's essential. It's essential. Um, it, you talked about benign, benign encounters, and there's this story in 1 Kings 13, and it's kind of like one of those stories that you just read by, but it's so powerful. The, the Bible says this, that there was a prophet who went to deliver a message of God, delivered the message, and God said to him, you will not eat or drink until you get back home. Do not eat or drink. Do not stop. Go back home. And then you can eat or drink. On his way back, he meets an older prophet on the road. And the older prophet says to him, hey, come to my house. I want to hang out with you. I want to eat. Let's eat and we'll, we'll hang out. We'll fellowship. And he said, I can't. God said, I got to go home. I can't eat before then. He goes, nah, it's all right. God speaks to me too. Anybody ever have that conversation with a Christian friend? God speaks to me too. Come to my house. God won't mind. It's all good. Now, is there anything wrong with eating with a friend? No. Is there anything wrong with fellowshipping with another believer? No. Here's where it went wrong. 
God had said clearly, do not eat and do not drink. Doesn't matter who says it to you. Here's what happened. He eats, he drinks, he has a good time. He leaves the house, and verse 24 says he gets on his donkey and he rides, and immediately a lion jumps out of the wilderness and kills him. How many of you know that's a bad day? That's not the way you want to end up your date with your friend. Here's what it's saying. Here's what it's saying. His disobedience opened himself up to the attack. His disobedience, God, stay with me, God knew that lion was going to be there. That's why he said, don't stop. Then we get attacked and say, God, how can you let that lion attack me? You said, you're the lion of Judah. You said, you're the mighty warrior. You said, no weapon formed against me. No, I said, go home. Be- Come on. Hey, I'm a living example of this. I can't tell you how many donkeys I've got knocked off of. It's the grace of God that has resurrected me when I've been dead. It's the mercy of God that has resurrected me off the side of the roads. It's not Kyle's goodness and holiness that have got me to this place 53 years later. It's the goodness of God. But I shouldn't have to count on the goodness of God because the goodness of God died for me on the cross so that I can learn the will of God and not be sidetracked by the access I've given. Do you realize, do you know the enemies that came to him, by the way? The enemies that came to him, you and I were talking about this the other day. The enemies that came to him, by the way, there's nothing in the Bible. There's not a name, a number in the Bible that does not mean something. It's not there by accident. All three of these enemies that came to him, two of them, the first one is from Moab. I know it says he's a Horonite. Hor- the, the town of Horonim is in Moab. He's a Moabite. The second is an Ammonite. And the third is just na- named as an Arab. All three of these enemies are offspring, are offspring of improper intimacy that broke God's word by men of God. Men of God, the first two, Moab and Ammon, are children of incest from Lot with his daughters. The third. The Arab nation comes from Ishmael. Come on. That it is an improper, intimate relationship between Abraham, the father of faith, with his servant, Hagar. What is it saying? Even men of God, when we get into bed with the wrong people, when we get into intimate relationships with the wrong people, come on somebody, it will lead us to voices that will undermine our lives. Did you notice it's the trinity of unholy voices right there? And that trinity of unholy voices did not come from outside. It came from inside the kingdom in their lives. You know, God reminded me of a verse, a portion of a verse in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 4, that says, keep the marriage bed holy. The word of God tells us that marriage is a picture of our union with Jesus Christ. What does that say? It's saying in our union with Jesus as well. Just as our physical relationship in the marriage bed, our spiritual marriage bed. Who you get intimate with. Who you give access to. Who who has the right to determine the will of God in your life. The ways of God in your life. The word of God over your life. You better be careful. We have let... 
American Christian, we have let too many incestuous voices into our life, into the bed of our lives. We have not protected the marriage bed between ourselves and our Savior. And then we wonder why we have social diseases in the spirit. You know why we have spirit burpees? Come on, somebody. Because we let the wrong person, the wrong people, the wrong voices. Lot was with his daughters. It was family. Hagar with Abraham. It was someone who was in his household close to him. Even those who are close to us, when we get in the wrong agreements, can produce the wrong results. And I didn't, I didn't know that you were going to say all of that. And that's the thing that I was saying, that I was hesitant to talk about, was um, the inconsistent theology that we have when it comes to family. <laughs> You mean there's no exception to family? But, but, but it's family. Right, and it doesn't matter. Because allegiance to Jesus, it's not, it's not what you're against. It is who is for you, so you are for him. And then he has to determine what your life looks like from that place. Yes. And I think that, you know, a lot of times... You'll hear something here. I'll walk down those steps. Someone will talk to me. And inevitably, I see that you're in pain. Something we'll, we'll talk about, and we'll get to the point where you're in pain. Uh, you're struggling with something. And I'll try to kind of drill down as to why you are at unrest, at why you are having dis-ease. And inevitably, there, has, there, there comes that someone said something that is causing the dis-ease that you're in not you're not in it within yourself yes it's usually what ends up happening is that we have to talk through something that someone else has it has included themselves in that god did not invite them into yes, for correct, you correct, correct and so they're yep. they they're here they're supposed to be there yep and you're feeling all kinds of way because they're here but god doesn't make an exception come on that when you are called to show allegiance to him there isn't a there isn't a, a clause in there that says except for the people who love you the most. Yes, it's just not in there. It's it's literally not in there. I keep hearing keep hearing that there's someone. I believe that God is telling me that there's someone in here that's literally that is dealing with this very thing that I'm talking about. And there's three sisters. That's what I keep hearing. I don't know if it's there's only three of you. There's just three of you that are struggling with this, but. He just keeps saying that. There's three sisters. Yep. In other words, there's a grouping hmm. that we can sometimes build our alliances with. But God is looking for allegiance, too. Yes. But, but unease will, dis-ease will tell us that an alliance is what is biblical, when allegiance is the only thing that's biblical. When we go on in that passage, it talks about how the enemy moved from just sending message after message after message because he was trying yeah. to wear Nehemiah down. Four messages and then a fifth. Yeah, and he changes tactics, FYI. It's not always going to look the same. Yep. A lot of times, 
when the enemy is trying to gain access to you, it won't always, because once you start identifying what it is, um, he just changes, morphs it. Yep. But it could still be same, same. And then it says that in an open letter, <laughs> then the enemy came. So it went from text to mass email? Or yeah. from text to text? Yeah, to, so to it's like you get pinged at work or whatever, and Facebook then all of a sudden post. it's like a corporate email that yeah. goes out, and you're like, what it just happened? Yep. But that's how God, that's how the enemy does it with God. He ups the ante. He, he never gets tired of coming up with a new strategy. Correct. He just, we get tired from dealing with it. Yep. He does not grow tired. This, yep. he, he's got time for nothing else. Yep. He, he, he doesn't have another job. <laughs> this is it, you. You are his job. Yep. He doesn't need a vacation. He doesn't need Come on. time off Come for on. sickness. He's, Come on. Come on. He is this. You are his full time job. Looking to see who he can devour. He roams the world looking to see who he can devour. And any inroads to you is fair game to him. Yep. So it does. So that's why I'm saying that you have to be able to have every relationship you have bow down to the blood. Yep. Every church. I, I really feel like there's a reason why God is having me do this. And maybe it's just the time that we are living in. But some of you are in the middle of this right now, and some of you are going to be in the middle of this. Yep. And you are going to make certain stands if you're married, you're, you and your spouse are trying to take certain stands. And there are friends, there are co-workers, there's other doctors in your practice. There's other people at play that are not going to understand what you're doing and what you're saying. And if you haven't made your peace with the fact that there will always be those people but they will always be, there will always be people like that that can affect your life. Then you're going to move your line of yes. allegiance at some point because something is going to start to threaten you. Remember we talked about anxiety? And it's like just the anticipation of something happening. And we don't know what to do with that because it's not real loss yet. If we were grieving something, we could grieve it. That would be grief. But anxiety just kind of lingers. It just... Yes. It just it's, it's, just, it's one of those tactics that just like, well, I could experience loss. So we just carry the dis-ease of that. And you can't ever underestimate on your weaker days what you're willing to do to make that stop. Yep. So I just feel like God is, for some reason, just highlighting this for this hour. That everybody has to be able to be surrendered. Agreed. Everybody need, everyone in your life needs to be able to be surrendered. Everybody in your life. Everyone in your life needs to be surrendered. If tomorrow Kay started to come up with some really odd theology, it would be probably something I noticed here or there, something came out of them, and but if I'm thinking, oh, he's, this is just benign. He could have me believe in some crazy stuff yep. faster than an, a stranger could. So even Kyle for me, even Jacob for me, everybody has already had to be positioned at the cross to let them go. Do you mind if we just miss, I just feel like there's, I just feel like maybe we can, if we have stuff to say, we'd go back to it next week. Yeah, yeah, go. But I just, I just feel like 
Today is a day that God just wants to help you get over the line of that everyone has to be, you have to be willing to let everyone go if God calls you to let that person go. It doesn't matter if this person has walked with you. I've seen this. I was actually talking to somebody recently. They were like, yeah, but this person walked with me through my darkest day of something. And knowing the story, it was the darkest day of something. But sometimes the enemy takes a foothold into that, and then there's suddenly this juxtaposition of, like, you owe the person something. But we, go, we owe Jesus everything. Jesus yes. sent that yes. person... Jesus showed up for us. Yes. Jesus showed up for us. Kyle and I have had so many of these conversations in the last year and a half about our country, about race, about everything. And we have learned to call nice things good things. And it's such a slippery slope because God only identifies what originates from him as good. Yes. Anything else is subjective. And I think that to make that journey... From believer to disciple. There's an altar. That everything has to be permitted by you to be on. Should it yes. need to be. Yes. Everything. 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 This building. This church. You. Everything that our whole lives are. It has to stay on the altar or we start making wrong decisions. We start making compromised calls to keep something that was never meant for us to keep. It was meant for us to build the wall. And yes, it will bless people, but it's not for you. And it's not for me. It's for him. It's for him. It's for him. It's for him. That's what is holy. If you're like, well, how, how do I, okay, I keep hearing, I come every week, and I hear about this stuff, and it's like, how do I do it? That, that's it, right there. If you can envision that there's one person that I've been talking about, one scenario, you're like, everything but that. If it's a dream, everything but that. Put that, that that in the light as quickly as possible. Last week I said to you, what's the downside of repenting? What's the downside of not? Come on. If you've held on to something or someone so tightly that it's had to start to live in darkness, thrust it into the light today with repentance. Throw it at his feet, not in the trash, at his feet. Yeah, dude, it's like, um, you know, that prophet who was dead on the side of the road. The Bible says the lion stood over him and guarded him. And a lion will always guard its kill until a bigger lion comes. We have, we serve the biggest lion. And maybe you've allowed things to knock you down. Maybe you've allowed decisions that brought that death of joy, of hope, of peace. I, I, I've been reading so many books of great heroes of the faith who constantly would talk about being led by the peace of God. And the moment that 
they would make these kind of decisions, they'd start to feel the peace of God leave. And just totally in repentance, when they repented coming back and found that peace again. And we have to recognize that trying to keep the peace with people will always rob our peace with God. Keeping our peace with God must become the priority over keeping the peace with people or we will never experience the peace of God for long. It doesn't make us bad. It doesn't make us evil. But it does make us broken. For years, Danielle and I were talking yesterday, for years I allowed family to have way too much say in my life. There's nothing wrong. Like, come on, we want family to speak into our lives, right? We want anybody. We want there to be a support system. And we should be that as men and women of God, as parents to, to people around us. But when I was more interested in making sure I kept peace with them than kept peace with him, that's where it started deviating. Still was a pastor, still preached great messages. Still build a good church. But we're not talking about any of that. We're talking about inside of me. There's only one thing that changes that. And that's just to come and repent. Be like, God, I'm sorry. I've given too many voices. I've made too many voices king of my life. Maybe it's just one extra voice. But I've made them king of my life. It's just time. Like Danielle said, what's the downside of repenting? <laughs> People are going to think you messed up. Trust me, they already think that. What's the downside of not repenting? That's the bigger question. So we're just going to, we're just going to pray. So I'm going to ask John to come just for a little bit. Can we just all stand maybe together for just a few moments? We're going to just be here for a moment. And in just a second, Danielle will, is going to pray. But I'm going to ask you to do something maybe today that will unlock something in you. I'm going to ask you as we begin just to take a few moments to reflect and before Danielle starts to pray as John starts to play, if there's something that you've allowed, a voice that you've allowed and you need to be set free from it, the Bible says repent and that means turn and walk in a different direction. Maybe today, that start to that journey is walking to the altar down here. And it's just coming as your sign to say, God, I'm walking away from that. I'm willingly walking away from that. I'm willingly, I'm breaking every tie. I'm breaking every soul tie. I'm breaking every emotional tie. I'm breaking every, uh, every control. I'm breaking every fear. I'm loosing all of my insecurity. 
of what will happen if they don't agree, if they don't like, if they if they if they want to do something differently. If I, I I've given too much, I've allowed too many in. If, if that's you, just 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 come to the altar. Just come to the altar. Allow the Holy Spirit to move in this place. We're just going to be here for a few moments. But if that's you, there's an opportunity for the Holy Spirit to break things even here, even now. To break things even here, even now. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah, hallelujah.
things that they don't know whether you will have live or die. You have great compassion for that. And I pray, God, that people will begin to experience your compassion as they ask for your forgiveness. Because you flood that kind of space with intimacy. You flood that kind of space with wholeness. You flood that kind of space with your voice. And God, there's nothing I could say right now that will fill that space greater than your voice in that space. It's going to be your voice that they need to continue to hear today as they leave and they need to change responses to messaging of the enemy. God, we don't ask for those opportunities not to happen. We just ask you to help us be brave. We don't ask for avoidance. We ask for bravery. God, I pray that right now you will show every person in this room that is asking for it what it looks like to live their life right now with a weapon in one hand and a tool in the other. And that they will only be susceptible to you telling them which is which and which one is to be used when. And I pray, God, that there would be a holy shifting in this church. That it will continue to understand that we are here to build the wall, not people. We are not here to build a church. We are here to build your wall, your will. Whatever it is that we are called to do to put our hand to, that is the thing that we will walk with calling in. And in the midst of that, God, you will take care of your people. But our job is to take care of your will. And I pray, God, that you would teach us every day what it looks like to tend to your will, to take care of your will, to make space for your will, to carry it with holiness, for us to understand it's not just rules, it's not just what you want, it's truly your breath. How do we carry you? This world is shaking. This world is quaking. It is coming from within. And God, I pray that there would be a bravery that keeps us stronger than the greatest quaking. See? 
of shadow, you won't light up. No mountain so high, you won't climb up. There's nothing in all the world that will keep you from you. You are our God and we are your people. Daddy, reveal your will to us more and more. Open our ears to hear your voice. Open our minds so that they may be changed. Open our hearts with a passion. Ignite our hearts with a passion to burn for you. Help us to turn our face toward you. Pour out grace and mercy. Resurrect those of us who have fallen by the wayside. Strengthen those warriors who are standing at the wall. Anoint those who are facing down the enemy this week. Let your kingdom come in our lives. Let your will be done. Let your will be done in our life as it is in heaven. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, we pray. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. We are free. Amen. Guys, can, if we can just take a seat just for a moment. Wow. You know, I want to thank you guys for letting us just share this morning what was on our hearts this week and if uh, if you if you haven't noticed the thing that we have been sparked by in this pandemic is the need to move the needle in all of our lives in all of our lives from just being good Christians good believers good churchgoers nice people, kind, not bad, to truly move the needle to saying, you're not going to deny myself, pick up my cross, I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm going to deny myself, pick up my cross and follow Jesus. And that, that scripture coming off the page, come on, son, coming off the page, not just written on a verse on our wall or wearing it on our t-shirt, but man, making it be the reality of our lives that's why we've been talking what we've been talking. It's why we've been trying to encourage things like praying through the word or praying declarative prayers. We want to arm you. Come on. I want to arm you. We are in a battle. These things that are going on. When did her tornadoes start hitting New Jersey? Birth pains. Birth pains. Birth pains. We are called to rebuild, repair, restore. If not the church of Jesus, then who? If not the disciples of God, then who? And that's part of what we do, not only when we live out there, but when we give in here. When we give of our worship, when we give of our attention, when we give of our openness and authenticity and vulnerability, but also when we give, give. 
because the things that we did this week, we couldn't have done without your giving. And what lies ahead for us, we can't do without your giving. And we saw this week, God gave us vision, and we'll explain more down the road of where this, where we're going as a church, but gave us vision to be able to say, how are we going to keep responding? Have you noticed these things have not gotten less? Like, two, about two and a half years ago, our building got hit by a tornado, and everybody thought we were crazy when we said it was a tornado. Wednesday, five tornadoes touched down in South Jersey. So I know we're all sitting here going, oh, I just can't wait till it gets back to normal. Labor pains don't go from greater to less. They go from less to greater. So we don't want to wait and be reactors. Come on, somebody. We, we, we want to... We want to be investors. We want to plan. We want to figure ahead. And that requires for us to actually bring things into the storehouse so that we release things out of the storehouse into the world around us. There's a lot of ways that you can give and be a part of that. And I want to thank everybody who gave this week when we put out a need and said, hey, if you give to missions today, it's all going to uh, recovery. And you gave and it all went to recovery, that and so much more. So thank you for doing that. When you do, when you give to missions or for this cause, that's where that goes. But when you give, you can always give using these envelopes. You can put them in those uh, kiosks on the way out. But when you do, make sure you do it with joy. Make sure you're doing it with faith. You can give using your phone or automatic tithing, all the things, link tree that are up there. But guys, can I encourage you? We don't ask you to give because we need it. We ask you to give because it's part of being a disciple. It's what we do as a family. It's how we prepare to reach out and change people's lives. Because we give and it shall be given, pressed down, shaken together. It's not so I can get more. It's so that in the time of my need, come on somebody, I know that I've already sown. And when I sow a seed now, it is a promised harvest in the future. My God will never be outgiven. But I don't give to get. We are giving to make sure that people in their time, when they need a harvest, there's a harvest already ready. The Bible says the, the harvest is plentiful, the labors are few. So pray and ask the Lord to send labors. Labors. The harvest is plentiful. Do you believe it? The harvest is plentiful. The harvest is plentiful. The harvest is plentiful. Come on, let me stand. Why don't you stand with me? I want to pray over you. I'm believing for something today. I was so fired up when I read that verse in Nehemiah because the Bible says the king gave him letters. He carried with him the word of the king. And when he carried with him the word of the king, doors opened that could not be opened by Nehemiah's name alone, by Nehemiah's goodness, by Nehemiah's self, by Nehemiah's education, by Nehemiah's uh, size, by Nehemiah's position. Doors opened because he carried the letters of the king with him. My friends, you and I carry the letters of the king with us in the word of God, in the spirit of God that will open doors. Father, we thank you for your letters in our life. We thank you today that your spirit fills people. We thank you, Lord God, that you are restoring broken walls inside of us. You're repairing knocked down and ruined portions of our lives through the blood of Jesus. We thank you, God, 
that even when we've allowed the, the lion to come in, that you have resurrected us from the side of the road by your grace and mercy. We thank you that every moment that has been repented of here today holds no power over us for our future. That what is dead today is dead. Whatever we brought to the cross is nailed there and will not rise again. It died in Jesus today. And the spirit of resurrection now lives inside of us. Let your kingdom come. Can we pray that this week, church? Let your kingdom come, Daddy, in our lives. Let your will be done. We surrender to it. We surrender to it. Open the ears of each and every one of us this week. We bless each and every person in this room. We bless those who are watching, who are listening even now, wherever they may be. And we thank you that you have sent your spirit to go before us. And that no weapon formed against us shall prosper as we stand in the middle of your will. In Jesus' name. And together in faith and in celebration and in praise, because we know it's true, we are saying amen and amen. And amen and amen. Come on, one more shout just to God. Thank you, Father, for who you are. We give you glory and honor. You're worthy. You are worthy. Church, we love you. Have a great Labor Day tomorrow. God bless you. I can't wait to see you next week here at Connect.